This is the Glenn Beck Program. Oh, man. I wish there are times that you think, I wish I had somebody else's problems. You know, I wish because you listen to their problems and you're like, this one's easy, dude. There is a there is a a, a travel reviewer who is struggling mightily with his carbon footprint because he reviews travel. <laughs> Wait until you hear this man's problems. Oh, <laughs> Yours will seem minuscule in compared in compared to his deep, deep troubles. That's coming up in one minute. Did I say hi, America? This is the Glenn Beck program. Yeah. Hello, America. Welcome. Uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about LifeLock. Security researchers recently discovered hackers have breached an analytics service and an open source project modifying files to embed malicious code on just 4,600 websites. But that's it. Don't know which websites they are. Maybe you visited. Maybe I visited. The malicious code can log content users' info into data fields secretly and then send the information to a server located in Panama, which I hear is wonderful this time of year and has absolutely no problems whatsoever. Not like the evil United States, but I digress. There are so many ways right now cyber criminals can take your crap and you don't want them taking your crap. It's like, you know, I'll set that stuff out on the curb. My personal information? No, I don't want you taking that. That's why you have LifeLock. They detect a wide range of identity threats like your social security number that's on sale on the dark web. If there is a problem, they have a U.S.-based restoration specialist team that work to fix it. Now, nobody can prevent all identity threats or, uh, you know, monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can see the threats that you might miss on your own, and they work to fix it. That's the big deal. Right now, you can get 10% off your first year by using promo code BECK. That's promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head over to LifeLock.com and use the promo code BECK for 10% off. It's LifeLock.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. If seeing the world helps ruin it, shouldn't we stay home? The glaciers are melting. Coral reefs are dying. Miami Beach is slowly going under. Quick, says the voice in your head. Go see them before they disappear. You are evil, says another voice. For you are hastening its destruction. To a lot of people who like to travel, these are morally bewildering times. Something that seemed like pure escape and adventure has become a double-edged, harmful epitome of selfish consumption. Going someplace far away, we now know, is the biggest single action a private citizen can take to worsen climate change. One seat on a flight from New York to Los Angeles effectively adds months worth of human-generated carbon emissions to the atmosphere. And yet, we fly. We fly more and more. Still, we wonder, how much is that one vacation really hurting anyone or anything? 
But it turns out that there are ways to quantify your impact on the planet, at least roughly. In 2016, two climatologists published a paper in the prestigious Journal of Science showing a direct relationship between carbon emissions and the melting of the Arctic ice sea. The square feet of Arctic summer sea ice cover that one passenger's share of emission melts on a 2,500-mile flight. Each additional metric ton of carbon dioxide, or its equivalent, your share of the emissions on a cross-country flight one way from New York to Los Angeles, shrinks the summer sea ice cover by three square meters. And in in February, my family, my family of three, flew from New York to Miami for what seemed like like a pretty modest winter vacation. But the online carbon calculator tells me that our seats generated the equivalent of 2.4 metric tons of carbon dioxide. Throw in another quarter ton for the 600 miles of driving we squeezed in and a bit of the snorkeling trip and the heated pool at the funky trailer park Airbnb and the bill comes up to be about 90 square feet of Arctic ice. An area about the size of a pickup truck. Oh, when I did this calculation, I pictured myself standing on a pickup truck-sized sheet of ice as it broke apart and plunged me into frigid waters. And there, the last thing I saw, a polar bear glaring hungrily at me. You know, the average American causes his or her greenhouse gas emissions to to create serious suffering and or deaths of two future people. In other words, going for that Sunday drive has the expected effect of ruining someone's afternoon. Multiply that joyride by a three-person Florida vacation and you've ruined somebody's month. Something to ponder while soaking up the UV-drenched rays on some distant tropical beach. Oh, this poor man, I just don't know what he's... What he's supposed to do. It's sad. Did you catch the end of that uh, story as well? I was just going to say... I'd like to be able to tell you that knowing what I've learned reporting in this piece, I've sworn off long-distance travel. But actually, this summer, we're going to Greece with a stopover in Paris. (laughs) Carbon footprint of the plane tickets, 10.6 metric tons, enough to melt a small apartment-sized piece of the Arctic. The increase in airline passengers worldwide since 2013, we've... You know, we've committed to go months ago, but I suspect we'd make the same choice today. We're going because last year we canceled a vacation to come home and watch our dog die. <laughs> that was the, the, the capper to the whole thing. This poor guy, he's just torturing himself over whether he's going to go travel somewhere and kill the planet. And then his vacation gets canceled because he has to watch his dog die. <laughs> what a life this guy has. Well, he did say before they go, they're going to buy enough offsets to capture the annual methane emissions from a dozen cows. <laughs> so that will offset. I, I think they're putting... That's, uh, those are uh, cow farts in a jar, right? That is, yeah, cow farts in a jar. You take, com. Well, you t- yeah. you take a, <laughs> uh, a mason jar 
and you kind of screw it into the back end of a cow. Mm-hmm. And when they fart, you just pull it out quickly and put the cap on. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So I'm selling those at the Standing Rock Ranch. You can get the uh, Standing Rock Ranch uh, uh, cow fart mason jars uh, available soon at glenbeck.com, where we will capture all of that methane gas for you for a low, low price of $50 a jar. Ooh. Yeah. That's but a lot of carbon. You won't have a problem, you know, going, you know, for instance, on our cruise. I wonder what. 3,000 people flying from America. Oh, they go into that in the article, that if you think a cruise is better than the plane, you've got another thing coming. No, but we're taking a plane to Europe and then then getting onto a cruise. And then we're taking a plane back. Right. And we're doing that with 3,000 people. Mm -hmm. We have to calculate our carbon footprint. They do calculate it for big cruise ships in there. And they say, I think, I want to say it's three or four times as much. And the cruise ship company's like, "Uh, guys... There's a difference between a plane and a ship. Like, that's just a transportation device. This is an entire, like, you know, amusement park and, you know, basically city floating around. So you can't really say they're equal, which I think is a fair point. So it's uh, it's three to four times the amount. Yeah, sad. So we, sad. can we ca- calculate that? If you would like to help increase our carbon footprint, we would <laughs> love for you to go on our cruise. We're going to Italy. But then we're going to fire those engines up and we're going to sail to Greece. There's nothing like sailing to Greece. Every great, every great story of ancient world had you sailing into Greece. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do it under, I don't even know, diesel power. I don't heavy know, oil, I believe. Heavy oil. Say. Yeah. yeah, dirty oil power. And we're just going to be growing. And then, as if that's not a big enough carbon footprint, we're going to Jerusalem. Where we'll be meeting Bill O'Reilly, and we're going to be doing a show there. But we got, we're going to get off the cruise ship, get into buses, all 3,000 of us, and we're going to head to a big outdoor theater. So, I mean... It'll be outdoors, though. So, your hot air will go directly into the atmosphere. Yeah, well, Bill's carbon footprint of just <laughs> him talking is enormous. They had a uh, they have a description in there about how these cruise ships decided to put scrubbers on the ends of their scrubbing like, bubbles. Yeah, scrubbing bubbles. Yeah. Basically, if you've seen the scrubbing bubbles cartoons, right. they, they have those right. basically. Okay. Yeah. And they make everything better mm-hmm. uh, with the exhaust. Mm-hmm. And then now they've found out that those are also creating problems stunningly. And environmentalists mm. are banning those all around the world, oh. which is a shocking development. I didn't see it coming because they ask for these things and then they always later turn on them and tell you you can't use them anymore. Yeah. Because remember, like everybody, pl- quick, build giant windmills. You've got to build them. We can put them in the sea. No, they're killing all of the birds. And, of course, they're reckoning the Kennedy's view of the sound. Yes, so. which is more important. More important. More important. Yeah. Uh, the same thing with plastic bags. Remember, plastic bags were supposed to be the solution. Right. It was because paper bags were killing all the trees. So um, somebody I know went to Shake Shack last night. Someone you know? Yeah. Well, why? Definitely not me. Definitely not me. Not you. But no. But somebody I know went to Shake Shack last mm-hmm. night and uh, noticed... That on the straws, it says uh, compostable. Mm-hmm. And this person who is just evil mm-hmm. thought to himself, 
how how do you how do you I mean why wouldn't you just take plastic straws and just write that on the label of the straw cover anyway and then say oh really yeah we'll put it in the ground and it 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 disintegrates in a hundred years so it's compostable or whatever you know what if it doesn't come check with me in a hundred years you let me know because I will fix that problem I'm about fix a century that right away yeah I'm right away that is and of course if we have the ability mm-hmm. to have compostable plastic then why do I ever get a paper straw which is birthed directly from Satan? Why do I get any paper straws? The, uh, the devil's just creation. Because, because it's just to, just to help you back to the cave. Yeah, It's like yeah. you're frustrated with the paper straw. Yeah, yeah, but it helps you back to the cave where you won't have any electricity at all. You won't have any modern conveniences. No medicine, no phones, no connections. Yeah. Nothing. I went. I went out to breakfast with my kids this weekend. You know what I ate the breakfast off of? Wooden, wooden silverware. Wooden. Did they throw it away? I mean, I just. That's certainly what I did with it. I don't know what they do with it, but it's wood. It's made like you know. You ever go to like a gelato shop and they always have the wooden Wooden spoons, which are like horrible. No one would want to eat off a wooden spoon. It's terrible well they're very they're really i mean the wooden stuff that you have you know big wooden spoons in your in your uh, house it's not like that filled with bacteria and also it's not like that right it's like that like wood that like holds on to your lips and tongue as you take it out like it's the worst eating experience they had a knife a fork and a spoon and they were all wood and it was the only choice how many trees did they kill and impossible to eat with them they don't do the things that forks are supposed to do they just don't they don't work Okay, they're they're terrible, terrible inventions, and it's people like this guy, this travel, this travel guy, who's going to go to that place and write about it and say, "Oh, the wonderful rustic nature of the wooden silverware," and they're going to say it's good thing, and then these people are going to continue to do it. But then they will adopt the the wooden silverware until they then go. Do you know how many forests it yeah. takes to make this wooden silverware? And then they will ban it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, stop! You guys realize you're just going, it's, it's, you're like a hamster. And you just keep going around in a wheel. You're not actually moving forward. You realize that, Mr. Hamster. I don't think they do. I don't think <laughs> I don't they do. Think they do. They're like, Look how much progress we're making. Quick, run, 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 run. All right, the sponsor of this half hour is Relief Factor. If you're in constant pain, you are definitely not alone. There's a lot of people, millions of Americans that are in pain like this, and they have changed their quality of life for the better now because they've tried Relief Factor at relieffactor.com, like I did about 18 months ago. It's all natural, so immediately, you know, I'm like, if there's no petrochemicals in it, it's not going to work. But it does. It was designed by doctors, and it is all 100% natural, and it was designed to reduce inflammation in the body. And that's what causes most of our pain. You've got to reduce the inflammation. This does that. Relief Factor at relieffactor.com. Go and order their quick start. Try it for three weeks. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more because it works. Change your life. Get your life back. With Relief Factor at relieffactor.com or call 800-583-84, 800-583-84, relieffactor.com. We pause now. Ten seconds for Station ID. Uh, 
Uh, so I saw a, a story that was really fascinating. It was like 800 or 1,000 words in the Washington Post today about Camilla Parker Bowles. You know, the... Uh, the woman that Prince Charles was... I'm trying to be really good here and be nice. The woman that Prince Charles was seeing behind Princess Diana's back. You know, because she was such a skank. Uh, anyway, um, Camilla, she sent the press a message yesterday. <laughs> she was standing there in their living room, or their drawing room, or their calling room, or whatever, the room that was with the fireplace and the couches and things. And um, <laughs> they took some pictures in front of the press, and then <laughs> she, as, as Trump turned back, she turned to the press and winked. And she was like, I'm so naughty. And uh, the Washington Post said, what did Camilla's wink mean? What was she telling us with that wink as though something is going down? Oh, they were so randy yesterday in England. It was crazy. So I, uh, 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 what I thought I would do today is uh, uh, just speak to the Washington Post directly and and tell them here's what i i think the duchess of york or wherever she's from uh here's what i think she was saying hey press we're going to be rather naughty and i'm winking at you um and because what i'm going to do is i'm, I'm going to telegraph something uh rather nasty because <laughs> i just think uh, Donald Trump is just, he's a Neanderthal. And uh, so I'm going to wink at you and, uh, to, to signal to you that, oh my gosh, I think he's a Neanderthal. And I know that you are so nasty yourself uh, that you will understand this nasty wink because I'm nasty and naughty. Oh, spank me, Charles, spank me. I'm just saying, I think that's what she may have been saying. And the I, press, she knows that the press loves anybody being nasty to... Oh, did I, that am word I again. using the word nasty? You are using that word. Oh, my goodness. That Donald Trump called that wonderful Meghan Markle. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we were having blood pudding the other day, <laughs> and we were just... Laughing. Well, we weren't laughing. We're not out loud, at least. That's so improper. We were we were chortling a, a little like this <laughs> when we devised this plan for me to wink at the press. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up every day just on the edge of my seat, trying yes. to get my arms around what activities and actions these people that I care nothing about will do today. Uh, I mean, I am so, so intricately interested uh, in this group of people that we fought a war to escape and what they're doing today. I, I wonder. I'm so interested. I, I'm so well, glad I'm, the coverage I'm is so glad so to high. hear that, um, Mr. Crumbum. Mm. Um, I'm <laughs> so glad to hear that because uh, we are so far above you. Um, we know that people are... are 
vermin, really. Um, more, uh, the more of the virus of the planet. Uh, and <laughs> we know that because we are so plugged in to what's going on. You know, I was, I was telling a friend of mine, uh, who, who, someone that works for them in the household, um, was talking about some place called a, a grocery store. Uh, and they were uh, they were saying uh, something about paper or plastic, and I said I don't want paper or plastic. I would like meat or vegetables or something that would be uh, refined on my plate. Paper or plastic? Oh, what these people eat nowadays! <laughs> but anyway, uh, we have to stop them from eating because they're destroying the planet. Well, of course they are. They're eating plastic. <laughs> <laughs> way more knowledge than I think they actually have when it comes to global warming. <laughs> I think it is. Mm. I really do. All right. Uh, so we'll be making fun of the royal family a little bit more a little later. Also, Pat Gray will be joining us here in uh, just a second. So it's oh, we've had Trump and, and Theresa May. <laughs> may we talk about their press conference? We may. <laughs> 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 Oh, spank me, Charles. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. All right, uh, American Financing. Mortgage interest rates are dropping to the lowest we've seen uh, since early 2018. I want you to grab these interest rates uh, while you can. Now, there's two, there's two schools of thought. One, that the interest rates are going to go back to zero. Why would they do that? Well, of course they would do that when the entire world is on fire, <laughs> which would mean that you would have a really hard time getting a loan. OK, the other is that the interest rates will go skyrocketing. Why would that happen? Well, because the people who know so much more than us are just printing money and they got to make sure that hyperinflation doesn't happen. Either way, bad for us. Yes, but great for the planet. Call American Financing and lock in your interest rate right now. If you're looking to finance a new home, refinance, or consolidate a loan, it's AmericanFinancing.net. I know these people. They're good. It's a good family-run operation. AmericanFinancing.net. We welcome to the program Mr. Pat Gray. Pat Gray Unleashed, the podcast that you can hear on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can hear him uh, record it live uh, every day on Blaze Radio prior to this program. Welcome As Jeffy back. would say, wherever free podcasts are sold. <laughs> <laughs> probably serious, yes, too. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so, uh, I noticed uh, Camilla was being naughty. Uh, do you have any comments on, on her naughtiness or anything? You know, I, I didn't even see Camilla's naughtiness. Oh, you um, didn't? She no, winked. I didn't even see it. She winked, and the Washington Post said, what did she mean? What was the purpose of a wink? Do we know what the purpose was? Nope. And when you watch it, it's so stupid. Mm. She just turned around from the pool of reporters and just winked at them. I was actually, I'm surprised that Charles was there. I'm surprised that Harry was there because those people, you know, they hate Trump. I oh, mean, yeah. they're as left wing as you can get. Oh, yeah. They're, they, they are. I mean, what's his name? What? Who's married to the 
queen. What's his name? Uh, Who's married to the queen? queen yeah. Uh, Philip? Philip. Mm-hmm. Duke? Phil, what is he? He's the... I, I don't know. Uh, whatever. So uh, the, guy who's, the guy who's not king, mm-hmm. uh, Philip, he, I mean, he has said on record that people are a virus and that he yeah. wishes that he could yeah, come so back. Uh, is it? Yeah, it's Philip. I, I know. I know. I remember this environment. We had this in one of the books, an inconvenient book, I believe. Um, right. His quote about it being, mm-hmm. humans are a virus, and he wanted to he wanted to come back and end the virus or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll find it. It's a it's a bizarre. I mean, they are just they are so crazy. They are. They're really nuts on the global warming thing. The whole family, and uh, uh, so they they're not Trump fans. You know that. <laughs> you know that. They're not fans. I loved it. I, I love. I I absolutely do love Queen Elizabeth. I think she's great. Do you love her because you watch The Crown? Yes. Yeah, I think that's. I have that's a little helped. affinity for her now yeah. too, because uh, because of that. Yeah, The Crown. You see what sacrifices this woman has made in her life. Un- and unbelievable, unbelievable sacrifice. And mm-hmm. you hate her family even more. You, I mean, Philip is. You know, oh, you hate, not a great guy. No, you, yeah. uh, you just end up hating them all except for her. And I really, I really, really like uh, I really like her. Um, and I and I like her because she's never she's never entered politics ever. Right. And yeah. the the temptation to do that must have at times been extraordinary. What an English extraordinary. Um, and she's never done it. And I love that. She she was delightful to uh, Donald Trump yesterday. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she, she went out of her way. I think you would have no really idea how she and I don't know how she feels. Maybe she likes him and the rest of the family doesn't. But maybe she hates him. But you don't have any idea. And I love that about her. She's always taken her role pretty seriously. You know, yeah, and and it shows, and she's, you know, and if if the crown is is accurate, uh, she is a pretty amazing uh, person because she's been through a lot, and she's what a hundred and sixty four years old. Oh, now? she dies, man. That Jeez. family is that family's on the run. Oh, the man. torches are coming for that family. <laughs> you know, she's like somehow another lord, please. Let me outlive my children, please. And how long do they put up with a monarchy that just costs them money and doesn't really do anything? How how long? It's so how weird. Long do they like, do that? They just keep it like just out of tradition, tradition purely. I, guess, uh, yeah. I mean, that is and tourism. Mm-hmm. I think they do do a lot for tourism. Possibly weird. I mean, that transition seems like it would have been difficult to convince the king and queen of. You know what? You just you're going to still be king and queen. You're just not going to do anything anymore. You're going to be just a tourist <laughs> trap. So, <laughs> I don't think they said that at no? the time. It's not I, like get in the wagons, you witches. We go to see the queen and king. That's kind of what happened, though. Sure that, How that long of a period did that happen over? Because I will be honest, and I said this earlier, I do not care about these people at all. In yeah, any I way. Don't, when did that happen? Either. How did it happen? Now, you feel like it should be, well, it had to be over like, what, a century or two? I don't know. Or just slowly Victoria, lose your power? Wasn't Queen Victoria kind of powerful? She was. I think they still had some. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, I think so. 
but I'm not positive and I gotta of say, when that transition was made. Because I don't understand their parliamentary system either. Thank right? you. I, it's like I the metric it's an improvement. system. There's no way to tell what's going on over there. At least you no, can understand. no like, way to tell. And they yeah. always are having elections. It's like. Always. Always They're having almost going to do that in. They're going to do that again in Israel. The Israel they had one two months ago. And because he couldn't form a government, they're having yeah. another one? What Why do you don't mean? you just <laughs> leave the ballots in the boxes and then just every two months count them again? Yeah. <laughs> Something it is irritating. I think, ridiculous. honestly, the king and queen thing might be better. Just go back to it. At least you For know them, who you're going to. It might be. Just go back to it. The, just ask the person. They'll just tell you, mm-hmm. you know, you can eat cake or whatever. And then it's over. I don't think that's... that's none of that's no, even true. But still... That's true, but... At least it's an understandable system. Yeah. They, these poor people are out there. They have. They probably work more hours going to vote than they do at their actual jobs. And how much does that cost them every What do you expect from a group of people who think cookies are biscuits? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. It's fair. No, it's, it's a fair, really good, fair point. Fair observation. Have some biscuits. It might be the definitive No, thank you. I'll have some cookies. Um, thank you. Haven't we showed them the way? We, we showed you how to do this. It's not that hard. Okay? Yeah. It's, it's worked pretty well for 243 years. Uh, and you see that. You see our shining example up on the hill. Oh, is it shiny? Do this. Yes. Is it so shiny? Well, it used to be. <laughs> it's still it's a hell so. of a lot better than everywhere else. It no, it is. And you see it this is. over it and over. At least we've got a four-year definitive term for our president. We're not well, going to. We are in the middle of impeachment proceedings, but still. Still. <laughs> still we're not. It's not, not going to happen. It's not, not going to happen. Right. He's uh, not going to be removed from office. That would be amazing no but it i mean i mean that there are processes to make that shorter obviously but still i mean it doesn't happen right there's right. almost always a peaceful transition where yeah. they, you know we, he never steps down because people disagree with him on things oh they voted uh in wyoming on that bill and uh now you got to step down that never happens <laughs> no. here thank goodness no. and i feel like it's one of those things where america has led the world out of you know tyranny Basically, mm-hmm. in, in most no, cases, literally, yeah, but it's not not everywhere. But yeah. I mean, has done a good job at basically leading the world out of tyranny, and then everyone gets past that level where they get rid of the worst stuff, and then they look at us and they're like, "We're not going to go all the way there. We're going to go like half the right. way there." Let's We're, do Britain's. Let's weird yeah, system. let's do the Britain thing because that's probably mm-hmm. better. Wait, wait, do you guys remember Revolutionary War, British Empire, like all that stuff? Like, remember we kind of won that one. We won the Russia thing. <laughs> We've won all of these. Yeah. Maybe you should just copy what we're doing. Like we are. It's not. We didn't copyright it. We want you to. We want you to take it on. We beg people practically. Yeah, I mean, because maybe we try to force people. To I do know. Yeah. We will do this system. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. No, you will. <laughs> we don't like it. That's though. probably we don't understand it. <laughs> you can't. How do you not understand it? Nobody resigns when they make a mistake. <laughs> right. That is so weird. Like really I, weird. Just, you you get elected. For a term, you mm-hmm. stay that term. You right. do your best during that term. You don't put together the government. No, the people elect the government. Yeah, people just elect it. And you know what? We don't, you don't have to have a coalition. How about this? When a vote comes up, you vote how you believe. <laughs> how, about how about that? How about so, like that? some bills, well, right. so you might vote one way. Some bills, you might vote the other. Yeah, that's not happening. At the moment, at the it's moment. not happening very often. Yeah. How we may have to go to some sort of a coalition government at some point. If any of if anybody stops this nonsense of it's only two parties and then change one of the parties, please. Everybody who likes the two party system, can you just get into one party and then we'll have another party that believes in freedom? How about that one? Because right now we've got mm-hmm. a two party system and they pretty much believe the same thing. One's just like this one will kill you in 10 minutes and this one will take about five years. 
<laughs> okay, well, I guess I want to take the five-year one. Uh, I would just yeah. like to see everybody who's for, you know, the death of the republic. You guys go all in the Democrats. Go ahead. Go in the Democrats. Let's have mm-hmm. something that's like, hey, we want to live. <laughs> we, we think there's some fundamental principles here that maybe we should go back to. <laughs> I think we should just go back to this idea where we're the new elections thing is interesting. And we just instead schedule them for like every 60 minutes. So just every 60 minutes, a thing goes off on your phone. You vote for a new president. <laughs> and we'll just keep constantly rotating these people in and out. Uh, because it seems like that's about and as We'll effective. try a socialist for a while. Yeah. And then he'll have to step down. <laughs> Imagine we'll, the damage we'll Bernie Sanders could do in 60 seconds. Oh, geez. Bernie could blow this whole thing up in 60 seconds. Mm. You see the uh, show we did last night on Bernie? I did not. Well, thanks a lot. I did not. Thanks. So that's that really awkward. Yeah. Was there was there wow. was there something? I he just wanted to know if you just have known about it. Or? No, yeah, you you should have known about it. I, I should have told you. Uh, it was part two of the Bernie Sanders expose on mm-hmm. who's on his team. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Pat. I wish I would have seen that. Yeah. What? Well, that's on demand. You can watch it at Blaze TV. Wow. You subscriber. Yeah, that's a good point. You subscriber. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. So I'll check it out. You're not paying for your subscription, are you? <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, my gosh. Of course, I'm not There's paying no for my subscription. There's no support here whatsoever from you. Um, anyway. Are you paying for your subscription, Glenn? Oh, I paid. Uh-huh. I probably paid more than anyone else for their damn subscription. Probably. Uh, so anyway, um, but last mm-hmm. night we, we covered who the radicals are. You would not believe who these people are. By the way, I think we know now who the leader is or one of the founding members of Occupy Wall Street is. Uh, because, um, you know, she's just as... He, he has on, on his, uh, his campaign um, roster uh, all these people who have zero experience, but some mm. of them have experience in, you know, uh, coalitions and, and bringing, bringing people together to riot in the streets. Um, but then there's this one woman who is... She's just a Fordham University sociology professor. That's all mm-hmm. she is. Mm-hmm. And uh, she can't speak for Occupy Wall Street. Um, she's done a couple of interviews, and it's completely leaderless. But she explained exactly how all of it worked and the hand signals and everything else. It was almost like it was something like of her design. Um, and then she, uh, around 2010, went over for a big conference uh, on the American Awakening uh, at the University of Tehran. And she spoke as a spokesperson for Occupy Wall Street and talked about how bad America is and and how important the Occupy Wall Street uh, thing was. I mean, that's who's consulting with Bernie Sanders. They are the most radical of the radicals. You have a problem with that? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, yes, I do. But now, watch me wink. <laughs> <laughs> like Camilla. Oh, I'm so nasty. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Pat Gray. All right. Omaha Steaks. Pat. Yes. Your kids could give you a vegetable or a tie or Omaha Steaks. Well, it's the Omaha Steaks. It's the Omaha Steaks. Of course, it's the Omaha Steaks. Listen, the Omaha Steak thing is uh, fantastic. Here's what you get. Um, You're going to get a package that's worth, I don't even know, like 200 and some dollars. It's $235. Uh, But they're selling it now for $59.99. Why? Because they love dads. 
$59.99, you can get your dad uh, two tender fillets, top sirloins, pork chops, four Omaha steak burgers. They're going to throw in another four for free just for ordering. So that's eight Jumbo Franks, chicken fried steaks, uh, all beef meatballs, premium chicken breast, four uh, caramel apple tartlets for dessert. Mm. Their steak seasoning. I mean, that is fantastic for 59 bucks. It's an amazing package and steaks. They're, they're fillets you can cut with a fork. They're del- delicious. This is the gift that every father would like for, I mean, except for Stu. I'll get the caramel apple tartlets. Kids, get that for Stu, Mm. and then he'd have to find somebody that eats steaks that he could just (laughs) give those to. And I'd never tell your children. Father's Day steak fix package. Get it today, $59.99. Right now, perfect for Father's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Beck in in the search bar, and you'll find this package. It's omahasteaks.com. Type in the word Beck in the search bar and get it. It uh, The sale ends on the 17th. Do it now. Oh, welcome to the program. We're so glad that you have uh, tuned in today. Um, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Stu, but... Uh, Dallas police uh, are investigating uh, the the death of a transgendered woman um, that was had already been declared dead, and now they found her again and declared her dead a second time. What? I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not really sure how this one is. Uh, how this one is work. The FBI is involved now, and. Uh, Dallas police are apparently uh, stumped on uh, how, but perhaps she just didn't identify as dead the first time. I'm I'm not sure. I mean, she's like, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> it's possible. I'm not uh, sure. It's not possible. Sure. The cities are in around America are really nice right now. There was a story uh, of in the New York <clears throat> Times: America's cities are unlivable. Blame wealthy liberals. No. What in the New York Times? This is written. What are you talking about? This is a hell. Listen, listen to this sentence about your city. Just look at San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi's city. One out of every 11,600 residents is a billionaire, and the annual household income necessary to buy a median-priced home now tops $320,000. Yet the streets... In the streets, there are a plague of garbage and needles and feces, and every morning brings a fresh horror story from a Black Mirror hellscape. (laughs) Wow. That does not... That's not from from the New York Times. Yeah. It goes on to talk about how homeless veterans are surviving on an economy of trash from billionaires' mansions. Wealthy homeowners are crowdfunding a legal effort, arguing that a proposed homeless shelter is an environmental hazard. Well, they're getting closer and closer to what people overturn in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. They're getting closer and closer. You want to talk about inequality? Look at the inequality in cities like San Francisco. This is run by liberals. You want to talk about creating inequality? That's what they do best. Then there's a revolution, and then there's real inequality. The ruling class only. And uh, separate grocery stores for people like, you know, you. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. Well, hello, America, and welcome to the program. Steven Crowder is in a lot of trouble. Oh, the YouTube police are very upset. NBC, Universal, very, very upset with Mr. Crowder. He's been very naughty. And what did he do? 
comedy. Yes, there I said it. He did comedy. I know he shouldn't have, but he did. And now he's been now he's been forced to apologize. And I can't wait for you to hear his very, very sincere apology. That comes in 60 seconds. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Tanya and I started realestateagentsitrust.com because we were really frustrated uh, every time we tried to buy or sell a home. This is, this is one of these things that we started, and, and I said, I don't really... I don't really care if it makes any money at all, if it helps anybody, because I can't take it. I've, I've sold and bought and sold homes my whole life because I'm in radio. And in radio, you're moving like every 10 minutes. And I've never made money on real estate. And I've never known how to get a good real estate agent. It's always like, I don't know. Who's the guy on the bus that we see? Does anybody know anybody who's a good real estate agent? Yeah, my nephew is a real estate agent. This is our most important investment. You have to choose an agent with a long track record of performance. You have to have an agent who is an expert in your neighborhood. You have to have an agent that understands how to advertise or how to get the word out about your home. And they have to share the same kind of business values that you would have. If you get that in a real estate agent, you're not going to have a problem buying or selling your next home. Realestateagentsitrust.com. They're all fans of the show. They're all they they I've met many of them uh, and uh, they're the people that you can go out with and trust. Talk in front of they're representing you and they have your same sensibilities. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Steven Crowder, who is on the Blaze TV, uh, and I have been a fan of Steven's for I don't know how long. We gave him, didn't we give him one of his first real big breaks, Stu? On, I think it was on GBTV at the time, wasn't it? it was, yeah, he was at, uh, I don't remember, I don't know. I mean, I know he was doing it was a like lot of stuff. It's like the Minolta Theater in New York City. In New York City, yeah. yeah. He did a, that's right. He did like a, he was there for that first event we did. And remember what happened right before? Of course I do. Obviously, don't it was remember. a big moment. It was a big moment. You may not have. I think you knew. Um, the FBI oh, tried yeah. to shut that show down uh, because we had death threats, and they believed somebody in the audience had a gun and was going to kill me. And then they caught me. That's the sad ending. Of, uh, uh, and so they came, and, and I said, I'm not shutting the show down. And they're like, Mr. Beck, we don't know who this is. Very well. And I said, but they very well may not be in the audience, too. Right. And they said, no. And I said, you're going to be able to tell who's in my audience and who is not. Who's there for, uh, you know, ill purposes. Yeah, you look for the man bun first. <laughs> right. That way, you know, you see the man bun, mm-hmm. you know, take him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'll never forget, Stephen, we were having to delay the the show um because they were um i was getting a bulletproof vest on and being briefed by the fbi right before we went on and so uh we called steven in and said hey steven you may have to stall for a few minutes uh can you go out now and he went he looked at me in the bulletproof vest and went what what's going on (laughs) and i said nothing most likely he's like what do you mean most likely (laughs) and i said don't worry they're not here to kill you uh i said go out and kill them 
go out and slay him. Uh, and he did. And I think that was that was the first time, at least, I think, that we had him uh, do something for us uh, at the very beginning. And now he's on Blaze TV and he is he's taken he has taken the Internet by storm. Uh, and it's because he's politically incorrect, but he's not a hater. If there's anything about Stephen, if you know him, he doesn't hate anybody. Um, or if he does, he hates them for good reasons, not for race reasons or anything else. You know, (laughs) people sometimes can make you hate them. Um, but, uh, he has been in this argument now with this, this Vox reporter who identifies himself as was gay wonk. Yep. Okay. The gay wonk. And, uh, so he, he has been doing, you know, uh, these, um, these anti Stephen Crowder things and Stephen has responded with anti gay wonk things. And he has been mercilessly, um, uh, going after him in a comedic form to debunk what he's saying. Well, the gay wonk who is actually not just with Vox, it's NBC universal, uh, wrote to YouTube and said, you have to ban him. Look at this hate. Now, I've done that. Uh, I've had, you know, Stephen has done that. We've had several coworkers reach out to uh, YouTube and say, hey, you know, we're getting death threats here. They don't care. We've never received a personal email. He receives a personal email from uh, YouTube saying, thank you so much for alerting. We're going to investigate and this has no place here. Blah, 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 blah. Right. So the advice has been to apologize. And in in Stephen Crowder's, uh, well, it's the reason why we like Stephen Crowder. He did apologize. Here's a bit of it. I, along with everyone here at Ladder with Crowder, am not above recognizing my mistakes and attempting to rectify them. So I'd like to take this opportunity to formally apologize to all parties involved. Firstly, my heartfelt apologies to practicing socialists Offended by the Che Guevara, socialism is for figs t-shirt. I know that we should fight bad ideas with good ideas and respectfully debate the merits, virtues, and shortcomings of socialism as opposed to merely mocking it with a hysterical t-shirt available at lotterwithcrattershop.com. <laughs> my dear friend and esteemed colleague Ben Shapiro, I sincerely apologize for implying that you're a greedy shekel hoarder. Words matter. <laughs> and while I swear I meant greedy in a good way, I see now how it might have been misconstrued. I'd like to formally apologize to Vice President Joe Biden for stating that he is, quote, the kind of guy who would have his bachelor party hosted at a Chuck E. Cheese. To my half-Asian lawyer, Bill Richmond, I would like to apologize for the insinuation that his billable hours exceed those actually worked, as well as accusing him of covering hopper and dry rub in preparation for a Mongolian fusion barbecue. Half-Asian Bill, I'm sorry. He, he went on uh, and on, and, and there's uh, much that we, we can't actually uh, air. <laughs> Uh, but you can see Louder with Crowder on Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash Glenn uh, and use the promo code Glenn and save 10%. By the way, uh, if you missed last night's show, in fact, we're going to have to do a recap of it. If you missed last night's show uh, on Joe Biden, uh, you've got to go back and see it and share it with your friends. Uh, this is really, really amazing. When I said on Fox that we're going to face a time where the uh, socialists, the anarchists, the communists, and the Islamists will work together to destroy Israel, 
destabilize Europe and the Western world. I really I said at the time they're not going to be working together like calling each other up and, you know, working in the same office, just a different cubicle. But they are going to see that their purposes uh, match and they will coordinate without talking to each other. They just follow each other's lead. Well, I had to apologize myself last night because I was wrong. They are working together and they're all working together in the same office. In fact, they're all working for one campaign. And I showed you the people that are running uh, Bernie Sanders campaign. And strangely, none of them are Swedish. None of them really like Swedish socialism, which isn't socialism. That's a capitalist system. That has a big social network. I think you're mistaken because Bernie Sanders campaign released a video yesterday mm. that described yeah. that no. the, what they want is not collectivization mm. of a you know government what? holding of the means of production. You know what? I'm we're going to take a break and then we'll come back and we'll just kind of share with you some of the people on the Bernie Sanders campaign, the campaign manager, the person that does the grassroots outreach, uh, the people who are you know writing the speeches and the messaging. And it's strange that that would be the messaging coming from these people because we showed you last night on television, that's nothing, nothing like what they believe. And we'll do that coming up. We'll take one minute break here quickly. All right, our sponsor this half hour is uh, Norton Security. Uh, Norton Security would like to remind you that um, Facebook and everybody else is following you around. And it's it's so creepy when you think about it, because if you if we did this in real life, if we followed you around to every store and watched you pick up, you know, items and and look at them and then put them down and where you went in and how long you spent there and what you bought there and what you were looking at and where you went from there because you went from that store and now to another store, you would call the police if somebody was following you around. Well, that's what happens on the Internet. Don't let that happen to you. That's creepy and weird. Okay, You can stop Facebook and others from following you around by having a VPN. And the people you need a VPN from is Norton Security, because we know Norton Security has the name that we can trust because it's been on uh, Internet security for so long. They are doing a VPN and they do not track you or anybody else. They don't track you uh, and they're not in partnership with anybody else to sell any information. It's $3.33 to get a virtual private network, which means it's, I mean, you go to, go to Norton.com slash VPN and it'll explain it all. Um, but it, it's basically what you see in the movies. They can't find out where you are, so they're not putting anything on your computer and, and tracking you, which keeps you safe. Protection starts at three thirty three a month. Head over to Norton.com slash VPN. Norton.com slash VPN. 10 seconds, station ID. Welcome to the program. So this is the video that Bernie Sanders released yesterday. It was it's from a spokesperson of his explaining that, look, when he says socialism... What he means is just everything you want. 
He means everything perfect in the world. He means sugar, spice, everything nice, unicorns flying. It's beautiful. Here is the video from the Sanders campaign. What democratic socialism means to Bernie is having a government which represents all people, not just the very wealthy. Democratic socialism is making sure that all of our people have health care as a right, education as a right, housing as a right, and child care as a right. That's what Bernie believes. For Bernie, democratic socialism does not mean that government should own the means of production. It means that the middle class, the working families, and the working people who produce America's wealth deserve a fair share of it. These lies have happened before. In 1965, when President Johnson passed Medicare and Medicaid, conservatives like Trump attacked these programs as a socialist threat to our American way of life. We can look at the example of countries like Denmark, Finland, and Sweden, where working people came together to make sure everyone benefited from the wealth being generated and all people are guaranteed health care, a good education, and the ability to take care of their family. But this isn't just Europe. Both Costa Rica and Colombia guarantee health care to their citizens with almost no co-pays or deductibles. Hmm, Both countries' health care systems have been ranked higher than the U.S. Donald Trump partners with war criminals, rips babies from their mothers, and puts children in cages. Okay, stop. While Trump lies... Stop, I can't I mean, It's take. so stupid. It is crazy. So what he says, the kind of socialism he's looking for is the right to health care, housing, education, child care. So basically everything that you have, there's only thing that left is guaranteed food. But you have a right to housing, which means the government has to provide everyone with shelter and a house. This is the great society. This is what Johnson was wanting to usher in, just couldn't go there because we weren't ready for it. We weren't primed. We knew at the time what socialism and what communism was. We knew we we actually paid attention to things like Venezuela. When I said that radical socialist, communist, and Islamists would would you know be working together for their goals, I didn't mean that they would be coordinating their movements in some secret underground cabal. But it's not a cabal. It's called the Bernie Sanders campaign staff. And last week, I mean, we have to start with Bernie Sanders. Anybody who vacations in the former Soviet Union while it's the Soviet Union, and comes back and says, what a great thing it is, knowing what we knew about the Soviet Union at the time, knowing that they were in an evil empire that had killed millions of people. Anybody who went over and excused Fidel Castro and called him a great leader and called that system great is a communist, period. You're a communist. So that's who Bernie Sanders is. Now, I want you to know, communism to democratic socialists does not necessarily mean what we think it means. What we think it means is, uh, you know, gulags and all kinds of, you know, piles of dead bodies. And that's actually what it means. But communism itself is the end game of socialism. Socialism is this thing where the government starts to take everything And then they start to meet it out. And then communism somehow or another just starts to happen. And communism is when we all are like, you know what? We don't even need the government. 
It's us that owns all this stuff. And we don't need that government because we're all in this together. That's why the Soviet Union was the socialist republic uh, or republic of socialist states. It was socialism. Socialism someday in utopia leads to communism. Communism hasn't ever happened except just the part of the government. And this is why they always say it's done wrong. Well, socialism was done wrong because that's not communism. Communism, communism is a good thing. That's utopia. So they just did it wrong. Well, unfortunately, everyone who tries it goes wrong. So the yesterday we started with Bernie Sanders. That's what he that's what he does. This is what he believes. And, and, and Sweden is a is not a socialist country. It has a big welfare state, but it is a capitalist country. And in poll after poll after poll lately, they are ahead of the United States of America on the Freedom Index. On what it takes to start a business. It's easier to start a small business in Sweden than it is here. All right. So we we started with Bernie Sanders. Then we went into uh, Faiz Shakir. Faiz Shakir is a guy who is he was with a Harvard Islamic Society. He was co-chair at a fundraiser for um, uh, the Holy Land Foundation, which was responsible for funding Hamas. He was in the uh, Center for American Progress. He's the guy that led Think Progress, which had all kinds of anti-Semitism on it. He oversaw it. He was part of it at that time. He was involved with all those people that were eventually fired by uh, CAP because, well, we can't have anti-Semitism here. He then left and became the it boy for um, uh, for uh, Nancy Pelosi. He became the guy for Nancy Pelosi and then later Harry Reid as well. Now, if you remember, Nancy Pelosi didn't pass the vote condemning anti-Semitism. And why didn't she do that? Because we had to include all hate, which include which included um, Islamophobia. Okay, remember, can't just take on Israel. You also have to talk about Islamophobia. Now, where did Islamophobia, how, how did that really grow into something? Islamophobia comes from a book called Fear, Inc., where, oh, Bernie Sanders' campaign manager, the guy who was with the Muslim Student Association and, uh, and uh, the um, Islamic, hang on just a second, what was it? I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, shoot the um, I don't know what it was. Now. Islamic uh, Unicorn Society? No, is a Harvard Islamic Association, ah. uh, which is also Muslim Brotherhood. Hmm. Um, he was the guy who was consulting uh, Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid on who was acceptable and who was not as a as a Muslim representative. So when. When Nancy Pelosi had the pro-Muslim Brotherhood anti-Israel imam give a prayer in Congress, where do you think that came from? Um, how about uh, how about the people that were remember all of the care people that were walking in the uh, the office 
uh, of Rashida Tlaib. And it was right before they were they were going to um, uh, condemn uh, anti-Semitism. And all of these people went into Rashida Tlaib's office and then suddenly, uh, no, we have to talk about Islamophobia. Where do you think that happened? Where do you think where do you think um, Elon Omar's office got off celebrating the failure of Congress to condemn anti-Semitism It's from this guy? But he's just the start. There's the foreign policy advisor of Matt Duss, Matt Duss. He's one of the writers that was fired from Cap for his anti-Semitic writing. This guy is a giant anti-Semite. He's the guy in charge of foreign policy for Bernie Sanders. But wait, there's so much more, including trips to Iran coming up. Listening to Glenn Beck. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. 2007, I think, maybe early 2008, I get a call from a a company called American Financing, and they asked me to endorse them, and I said, no. They said, why? And I said, because all mortgage companies are the same, and you guys are all going to be responsible for what is coming. They said, no, Glenn, we listened to you. We agree with you. We haven't done any of those things. We don't work for the banks. We're not trying to sell specific mortgages and jam people in. We're a family-owned and operated uh, company that uh, actually works for the customer. And so we don't, we're not part of that. And I said, well, call me after the crash and we'll see how you did. Well, they did fine, and so did their customers because they're different. This is why they're the only mortgage company I've ever endorsed and probably ever will endorse. It's AmericanFinancing.net. For more information, I want you to call and just get started with your loan proceedings. Ten-minute phone call is all it takes. AmericanFinancing.net or 800-906-2440. My deepest apologies to Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau for comparing him to a glistening (laughs) vagina. Even when we disagree... We should be more mindful of our world leaders and the great burden they carry on their lips. Also, I apologize to vaginas everywhere for comparing them wrongfully to Justin Trudeau. Vaginas serve a viable, useful, and pleasant purpose. And seeing as I do not have one, I now understand that I am not entitled to an opinion on their goings-on. Finally, I would like to apologize to the city of Quebec for this mustache. I'm sorry to Dave Rubin for insensitively pointing out that he is, quote, the most boring domesticated gay man since Rock Hudson played doctor with Gomer Pyle. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. Uh-huh, I didn't mean to. That's uh, Stephen Crowder and his apology uh, tour that you can now find on YouTube. Um, while you can. I mean, I hope YouTube accepts his apologies. We were talking about Bernie Sanders and this expose that we did uh, last night on the Blaze TV that I urge you to watch and share with your Democratic friends. Um, it is the most radical group of people that are running the Bernie Sanders campaign uh, that you could possibly imagine. And there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. We told you about uh, Fiaz. He is the uh, campaign director. He is an anti-Semite, a Muslim Brotherhood shill. He's the campaign director. And who is he hired? Well, for foreign affairs for Bernie Sanders, a Democratic socialist who is an absolute anti-Semite. If you think our relationship at the Middle East was confusing under uh, Barack Obama, 
imagine what this guy can do when you learn about him. Uh, the speechwriter is uh, Serrata, and and he's a guy who believes in democratic socialistic uh, redistribution of wealth, redistribution of land and property. Ah, very Venezuelan, really, uh, almost how Ghana of you. Um, he believes that the United States government should tell industry exactly what to do um, and not bail them out, just take control of them, which is either communist or fascist. I- I- I'm not sure, uh, David, but you might want to check that out. That's the speechwriter. His speech, his history is so checkered. All of them are. Um, you have the national organizing uh Uh, president now the person who is running his committee for national organizing she's interesting she first showed up on people's radar in 2002 when she was arrested at a protest of the world bank and imf um she then became part of the uh, of the group Justice Democracy. She was working for Bernie, and then she went to work for Justice Democracy. Justice Democracy is um, uh, is uh, they're the people that found and ran that contest that that uh, found uh, Ocasio Cortez, and then gave her all the words and all the things and taught her how to be a a congressman, uh, and that's. That's why we have her is justice Democrats. That's they're they're the ones who wrote the new Green Deal. Um, she she left the Bernie Sanders campaign, joined uh, the uh, the uh, justice Democrats, and at the same time decided to go overseas. And she taught the American way of street protesting to the leftists in Spain. And also, uh, she went to help the Jeremy Corbyn campaign, uh, who is a wild socialist uh, and, uh, mm, what a surprise, anti-Semite. The political director is a socialist from Venezuela. Now, you would think starvation in Venezuela of her family might change her mind. No, no, no. She still thinks Venezuela is thumbs up. She's been running the work or working with the uh, Working Families Party. Working Families Party grew out of the breakup of Acorn. Acorn is still alive. It's just another uh, series of names. Uh, but she is in with SEIU and, and uh, Acorn and, and Working Families Party. They are the reason why New York has become so radical. When you want to light up all of the New York buildings, uh, to celebrate abortions, it's it's these people run by her. She's again their political director, uh, and then he also has a, a very strange senior a senior policy analyst. His senior policy none of these people have experience at all running a campaign, um, but you would think that somebody who just on their resume really only has. Fordham University sociologist. Well, first of all, sociologist, so you know there's trouble. University in New York, you know there's trouble. Um, so who is she? Well, it's weird because she's the one that said that Occupy Wall Street is just leaderless. It's leaderless. Doesn't need a leader. 
I mean, they've they've worked out these hand signals. And she went in. This is, I think, in 2008. She went to the press and she was talking all about Occupy Wall Street and how it works. And she had real details. It's almost as if she was the architect. I mean, it's almost like she somehow or another knew all of the things about Occupy Wall Street. She she made a big deal of saying it's a leaderless uh, movement. Now, she's really the woman behind these leaderless movements. For instance, uh, Antifa, we have no coordination with them. And I mean, how are we we're going to call up their leaders? We don't know who their leaders are. It's a leaderless movement. Really? Wow. Because it seems kind of coordinated, but it's not, huh? Nope. She says it's not. There is no leader. There's no leader of Occupy Wall Street. Except in, I think, 2010, she traveled to Iran to speak at the University of Tehran about this leadership movement called Occupy Wall Street. And I want to just say here, she, when asked at the university in Iran why she was there, she said, quote, I felt my role there was to maintain my positions as representing the movement. I didn't think you had anything to do with it. Now you're representing them. And she went over and she talked about how America is is just a place of evil and it's uh, it's time has come. I mean, I think this is aiding and abetting an enemy of the United States. But what do I know? That's who is his inner circle of Bernie Sanders. And we go into much more detail than I just gave you, but you have to watch last night's episode. Don't miss last night, last night's episode uh, on Bernie Sanders in his campaign. Any Democrat that thinks, oh, they don't mean, you know, they don't mean this. For instance, the Bernie Sanders uh, thing about Sweden. They don't mean they want Sweden. Do they? Do they? Because everything that they hold up in as an example is Cuba and Venezuela. And in fact, uh, the political director said it's worse in New Jersey. This is a recent quote. It is worse in New Jersey than it is currently in Venezuela. Is she nuts? Check it out now, blazetv.com. That's blazetv.com. This is the only place you're going to find it, blazetv.com slash Glenn. If you use the promo code Glenn, you're going to save 10% off your yearly subscription, and we, we need you as a subscriber. Join us, blazetv.com slash Glenn. Now, I don't know about you, but Stu, I know you're very worried about your carbon footprint. Hugely, hugely. And, it's, all, uh, it's actually all I think about every day. Every decision I make is based on my carbon footprint. Like last night when I opened up my uh, dinner and it was already wrapped in plastic and I opened that up and I could have tried to seal that back up, but instead I just put it in another plastic bag because I wanted to make sure that that plastic bag was used and not wasted. Yeah, see, I don't like to use plastic containers. I I like to go for the more traditional styrofoam in plastic bags. Oh yeah, so, yeah, because so, then it, it it stays forever. forever. It can be used, is used forever. and used they and used. They will dig that up. Some mm-hmm. archaeologists are like, "What is this?" And we can use it in a thousand years. Mm-hmm. They'll still be able mm-hmm. to use it. So here's the thing: uh, we're going on a cruise, which our carbon footprint uh, might be a little large. 
Uh, we're sailing the Mediterranean on this beautiful cruise ship from Italy. Uh, and so you're going to have real Italian food, really, really good food. We're starting in Venice. Then we're going to Croatia. Then we're going to Athens. And then we're going to um, Jerusalem. And Bill O'Reilly is going to be there. Uh, we have Rabbi Lappin, who's going to be on the cruise, uh, David Barton, myself, Stu. It's a cruise through history, and we're going to be teaching history all along. You don't have to. You can just go lay by the pool and you know do whatever. But you're going to be on a ship with about 3,000 people that are all like you. They love history. Uh, they have your same sensibilities. And we are going to show you the things that changed the world, the Renaissance, the idea of a democratic republic and the idea of God. And we're going to show you how those came to be and how they really came together for the first time in the right way in America. That's our uh, our cruise through history. And you can go to comesailaway.com, comesailaway.com and get on board with us. Take your family if you can. We'd love to have you a part of this cruise. It's comesailaway.com. It happens next spring. So do it now. Comesailaway.com. My apologies to the Motor City madman, Ted Nugent, for my statement that his skin resembles and smells like that of bison jerky. It was originally intended as a compliment. I'd like to clarify, but I now understand why he might have taken offense. I'd also like to apologize to our esteemed president, Donald Trump, for my ill-timed Trump talk series of videos, one of which I, as President Trump, implied that Megyn Kelly was a I now understand that I was far out of line and will leave said methods of attack to uh, our president in the future. I'm sorry, both <laughs> Megyn and President Trump. Also, apologies to former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton for implying that she couldn't stand on her own two feet, that she coughed up a lung on more than one occasion, for stating that she covered up her husband's alleged rapes, and for circulating both mean-spirited and unconfirmed rumors that she was both Huma's lover and a practicing witch. <laughs> There's more uh, to his apologies, and you can find that uh, with Stephen Crowder, uh, now on The Blaze and on uh, YouTube. Um, we have something really exciting happening uh, here at the studios again this summer. We are going to do another pop-up museum. This one is 12 score and three years ago. It was four score and seven years ago that Abraham Lincoln, when he said, you know, four score and seven years ago, our, our forefathers came and they, they put together this nation. And it was an idea, but now we haven't fulfilled that. We've, we're fighting this great battle to free everybody and to actually live the words, all men are created equal. It was a, it was a really important, obviously, speech that he gave at Gettysburg. The Gettysburg Address, including the Emancipation Proclamation, will be here in our studios. Um, but we're looking at his unfulfilled promise of unity and an end to slavery. And this this museum is going to answer the question, what is slavery? How does it happen? Is is racism and slavery an American problem? Uh, what happened? How do you free yourself from these things? What does it take? And we're not we're not really just highlighting the. Uh, American slavery issue. We are using that as a vehicle to show you that slavery happened all around the world and it is 
It is a human condition, and it is still going on in greater numbers. And we start with the slave trade. There, there's this, we're having a, a slave ship, the interior of a slave ship that you will walk through, uh, built by our set designers. Uh, and you will feel how small that was. We've seen we've seen drawings of slave ships, but until you've walked in one and seen how people were laying side by side like sardines, you really don't have any kind of understanding. Well, that is offset with now the back of tractor trailers where slaves are transported in the back of tractor trailers. Uh, we have the lynching tree, but we also have a, a a steel cage that is going to have one of the original jumpsuits used by ISIS for a um, for a Christian that was later found beheaded. Uh, we have the ISIS jumpsuit. We're going to show you how slavery is happening still all over the world and what it takes to break it. What it what forces are against it and what it looks like based on the American experience and how that's happening all around the world. And it's really going to be an amazing um, experience for your family full of treasures of things that you've never even knew were in existence, uh, plus Things like the Emancipation Proclamation signed by Abraham Lincoln, the real one, is going to be here uh, at the Mercury Studios. Now, it is 12 score and three years ago, because that's how long it's been now. We're checking back. Are we even worse? Are we better than we were? And where are we headed? So that's the name of the museum, 12 score and three years ago. And if you buy tickets today... You're going to be entered to win a spot on my VIP tour at the museum. That's a $1,500 value. So you're going to get a couple of tickets to go uh, through that. And in fact, if you buy like four tickets, you're coming with your family. I'm just going to give you all of everybody's going to get it. It's not going to limit it to two tickets. And whatever tickets you buy, if you win, we'll put you and your group uh, in that uh, in that tour. So buy your tickets today. You can call 972-499-4747. Or just go to mercuryone.org. It is uh, on June 4th. The tickets uh, today, you buy those tickets today, June 4th. And tomorrow I will draw for the winner that is going to go on this uh, tour with us. It's at mercuryone.org. And by the way, it's the end of June. And I think it goes through the 6th or 7th of July here at our studios. So it's just a few weeks away. Grab your tickets now. Do it today and you could win a, a really great tour experience. It's mercuryone.org. You're listening to Glenn Beck. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. Venezuela is now the biggest disaster of anything since World War II not caused by war. Think of that. This was a once prosperous country. And it was it was touted by all of the same people that are telling us we need to go socialist now. They were all saying, Venezuela, it's the new way. No, it's not. This is the old way. And it doesn't work. It never works. The biggest disaster since World War II. That's remarkable. And yet there are some people saying, even today, Venezuela is still better than America. 
Wow. The twisted world we live in, in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Recent Gallup survey shows Americans worry more about burglary than almost any other crime. More than mugging, more than terrorism or car theft, murder. I mean, if you're worried about murder, you might want to reevaluate your life or your friends. I'm just saying. Uh, here's the thing. There's no reason to worry about burglary. You can almost guarantee that you're not going to get burglarized if you have an alarm system and you have it on. About 80% of the burglaries that happen happen, according to burglars, because the house didn't have an alarm system. 80% see an alarm system and move on to the next house. Very few houses are really actually cased. Most of these, most of these things uh, are spur of the moment. And they take about $2,000 worth of your stuff. They violate your home. And they're never caught. Only 15% of these crimes are solved by the police. You can protect yourself and take the worry away by getting Simply Safe. Simply Safe. Most, most companies don't make it easy. That's why only one in five homes have home security. And you have to wire it, and it's really expensive. And you'll pay 40 or 50 bucks a month for the monitoring. Well, you don't do that with Simply Safe. It's $14.99 a month for Simply Safe's 24 7 home security. And home security, unlike anything else, it's really simple. You can install it yourself for in under an hour, well under an hour. Um, and now, if you order now at simplysafebeck.com, you're going to get a free security camera when you order. It's a $100 value. It'll have eyes on your home 24-7, and you will too, and video evidence if somebody tries to get in. So get your free security camera right now for a limited time at simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Venezuela, the the biggest disaster since World War II for any country not at war. That's saying something. It really is. I mean, Zimbabwe's collapse under Robert Mugabe, fall of the Soviet Union, Cuba's disastrous unraveling in the 1990s, the crumbling of Venezuela's economy has now outpaced them all. Uh, it's the largest single economic collapse outside of war, in at least 45 years. Think it, Now think of this. Zimbabwe. We've always held up the Zimbabwe, you know, billion dollar yeah, bill. Yeah, I have a trillion dollar bill in the, uh, the other room. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've held that up as a sample of what could happen. And everybody, everybody knows it. And everyone knows Zimbabwe was a disaster. To, to, to the point of like, you couldn't believe a Western or developed country could ever really had that happen yeah, it you could like see that unique. in africa right, yeah. and you're like okay With that's a dictator and yeah, correct yeah, okay right now venezuela is one of the richest countries in the world and it's it's happening there and it's actually still worse. is it's just not being utilized i mean it has the biggest oil reserve in, yeah, in, the, in world. the world mm-hmm. uh it's uh let's see um i love this quote this is an economics professor at harvard it's really hard to think of a human tragedy this scale outside of civil war this will be a touchstone of disastrous policies for decades to come. By the way, vote socialist. I mean, at the same time, that description is being talked about. A socialist. Read that again. His second last, or his last line is phenomenal. This will be a touchstone of disastrous policies for decades to come. Now listen to this part. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I know. 
Um, well, what did he say after that? Right that after was that. the second part of the quote. The first part was, it was really hard to think of human tragedy on this scale outside of civil war. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, to find similar levels of economic devastation, economists at the IMF pointed to countries that were ripped apart by war, like Libya earlier this decade or Lebanon in the 1970s. But Venezuela, at one point Latin America's wealthiest country, as we mentioned, has not been shattered by armed conflict. Instead, economic, economists say the poor governance, corruption, and misguided policies. Of what, Nic- what, do they talk about the misguided policies? They don't really. If you're looking for the word socialism, I don't think you're going to find it in here. Um, but it is, it's a New York Times story. But I am glad that they're at least covering it. I mean, misguided policies, yeah. And they do say, to their credit, uh, misguided policies of President Nicolas Maduro and his predecessor, Hugo Chavez. One of the things socialists have Correct. tried to do to get out of this is to say, well, it was really Maduro who came in and screwed it up. That's not true. Well, they did that with Lenin. It, it, mm-hmm. was, it, it, it was fine with Lenin. It was uh, Stalin, Stalin that yeah. really screwed mm-hmm. it up. Um, they have f- fueled runaway inflation, shuttered businesses, and brought the country to its knees. In recent months, the Trump administration has imposed stiff sanctions as well to try to cur- curb it further. As the country's econ- uh, economy p- plummeted, armed gangs took control of entire towns, public mm. services collapsed, and the purchasing power of most Venezuelans has been reduced to a couple of kilograms of flour per month. Imagine living through that. Uh, I mean, it goes on. Let's see. Uh, Venezuela has the world's largest proven oil reserves, but its oil output once Latin America's largest, has fallen faster in the past year than Iraq after the American invasion in 2003. Venezuela has lost a tenth of its population in the past two years as people fled trekking across mountains, setting off Latin America's biggest ever refugee crisis. If I remember right, in 2003... Didn't weren't some of the oil wells on fire? Oh yeah, they set them on. I mean, when, right. as they were leaving. I'm trying to remember which yeah. when that was. Mm-hmm. It seems so long ago now, and it was. Um, but they were setting oil wells on fire to make sure no one could access them afterwards. And this collapse just from policies, just from the government taking it over. Remember, that's what they did. Anybody who's like, you know, democratic socialism's great. All we have to do is just take over some of these industries like healthcare. Oh, and energy, too. Mm. Because uh, Hugo Chavez took over healthcare, which there's none, and uh, and also uh, the oil industry. Yeah, there's some more coming up on the healthcare industry that's working out pretty well. Uh, Venezuela's hyperinflation expected to reach 10 million percent this year. Just the 10 million percent, though, not 11 million percent. That this would be year. That would be too high. Um, according to the IMF, by the way, it's on track to become the longest period of runaway prices since the Democratic Republic of Congo in the 1990s. Okay, hang on just a second. Do you know why they can't stabilize their money? They can't stabilize their money because they can't stabilize the system. Because you never know what the government is going to do next. You don't know what disaster they're going to uh, inflict on their own nation. So you could go over there and say, look, we're basing our money on oil. We're going to base our money on oil. It's as good as gold. And we we have it. We have it in the ground. You, you don't even know you have gold in the bank. We know we have oil. So we'll base it on our oil. But we're going to run our oil industry to get that oil in a non-corrupt fashion and in the style of the Western world, so it's dependable. Then you could actually stabilize your economy. You can't do that under socialist and, and, a, and a dictatorial government that is 
is rife with graft and mm-hmm. and uh, and and corruption. And honestly, why they just don't officially go to like Bitcoin right now, I do not understand. Just do it. I mean, that's what the local economy is essentially run on. Anyone who actually has money has put their money into things like cryptocurrencies. Just, I mean, we think of those as really unstable, but I mean, in comparison to what they have, it's a, it's super stable, and you can use it, of course, send it anywhere in the world and protect it from governments mm-hmm. and all of these things. So, why they tried to do a national government cryptocurrency, which kind of defeats the purpose yeah of a cryptocurrency yeah and the government um, will, i mean the government right now maduro just wants to control everything he wants yeah. to make sure he knows who's eating and who's mm-hmm. sleeping and and everything else so a national cryptocurrency a we don't believe you won't inflate those numbers and b the point is it's a almost an anti-government stance it's a it's an anti-control stance right we don't want anyone controlling it supposed to be separate from not only governments but every any third party yep um by year's end venezuela's gross domestic product will have shrunk by 62 percent since the beginning of the recession in 2013 by contrast the median economic decline of the former soviet republics was about 30 percent during the peak of the crisis in the mid-90s oh my god so more than twice as bad as the collapse of the soviet union uh, Juan Carlo Valles arrives can, at his... Can I make mm-hmm. an observation? You can. That might be... What do you think of this? That might be because the former Soviet Union had a, a long history of black market and black exchange and corruption and everything else. So people, they knew how to keep things going even though there wasn't a government. These people are used to, generally speaking, freedom. Stability. And stability. Sort, yeah. And so they have they have no way if the government is they, they have just no way to do anything. They, they they haven't lived for generations under that kind of corruption. And now this next part is just going to make you hungry because I bet your stomach is going to start rumbling because this is going to sound so good to you. So if you, you know, if you're if you're listening in your ear pods and you're walking through a grocery store, you may want to walk out for a second because, right. you know, you never want to go grocery you're shopping when you're hungry. Uh, Juan Carlo Valles arrives at his tiny canteen in the corner of the market by 5 a.m. and begins making a broth out of beef bones mm, and frying corn pastries in the darkness. He says his stall has been without power since March. His sales are down 80% since last year, and each day is a struggle against soldiers who force him to accept nearly worthless low-denomination bills. Whatever money he makes, is he has to immediately invest in more bones and corn flour because prices go up daily. If you take a rest, you lose. By the time you take it to the bank, you've already lost some of it. Real incomes in Venezuela have fallen to levels last seen in the country in 1979. Imagine going back to the earnings of 1979 right now. According to uh, International Finance Institute, leaving many to survive by collecting firewood, gathering fruit, and fetching water in streams. Daniel Gonzalez, 53, taking care of his children, and he takes care of his children and his neighbors uh, in his shanty town. He lost his job at a hotel when looters ransacked it in March, ripping out even window frames and cable wiring. His new gig, though, is pretty sweet. He now collects wild plums to sell for a few cents in the city's parks. It's pretty cool. Electricity and running water are available for only a few hours a day. The boat that provided regular service to the mainland broke down uh, last month. He's obviously not one of these islands. Um, an oil barge led, led by the state oil company occasionally tugs a rusty ferry carrying meager supplies of subsidized food. The hospital has no medication and no patients. The last person to be hospitalized 
died in agony a day later without treatment for her kidney disease, doctors said. This is a vision of what the future is. Uh, for You've got about 24 people advocating for these policies to be brought to the United States, and they cheered them on when they were implemented in Venezuela. Now we see what the results are, and yet here we are, as a country, walking towards these policies, not running away from them. We're acting as if these things are going to work differently for us than they work for everybody else, everywhere in the world, every time they've been tried. And it's just, it's, in, it's incredible that this moment, it's like a shining light in your eyes, don't walk forward, and everyone just keeps wide-eyed, walking right towards that bright light and blinding themselves. It's, it's really amazing. It is almost, it's almost brainwashing and hypnotizing. You know, how, how do you get away with such a dark vision just being swept away? It, it's, it's amazing. It is, you want collusion. There it is. Venezuela. Martin Luther King, that story that came out about Martin Luther King. Do you know that not a single uh, mainstream news organization covered that? What? Yeah. Really? There was no coverage on CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS. Is that true? Really? That's amazing. That's what I. Uh, uh, that's what Laura Ingram said last night. Uh, oh, and her on so, Fox News. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking to Dinesh D'Souza, and I'm I'm like that 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 that's craziness. That's How is that craziness. Possible? How is that possible? Because they are colluding. They're colluding. They're not calling each other. They're all like minded. We can't we can't do that to Martin Luther King. The whole thing falls apart if we do this to Martin Luther King. Which is amazing. I mean, think of the accusations they've run with, uh, especially let's just take the Me Too era, for example. Right. Think of the things they've run with 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 one person saying right. it, not an FBI tape of it, not right. an FBI transcript of it. And we need the FBI to investigate. We've got yeah. to have the FBI well, The FBI did investigate this one. Right. And this is and what they said. They said that Martin Luther King was present and laughing at a rape. And they did investigate Kavanaugh and said there was nothing there. I mean, they'll, they'll still mm-hmm. press through with that one. And this one, they won't. I mean, they tracked Michael Avenatti on TV every day for three months. But this guy who wrote a Pulitzer Prize winning biography of Martin Luther King gets no coverage at all for his his new claim about what is in an FBI memo. That's incredible. I mean, again, these you sit there and all the time you say, oh, well, uh, there's a bias. I mean, it is. It's a point that's been made a million times, but only because there's been a billion opportunities to make it. I mean, we we probably talk about uh, maybe a tenth of it, maybe one percent of it. It's just overwhelming. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Goldline. Uh, the gods of the copybook headings uh, come to mind. They promised us all kinds of money and we had all kinds of money, but nothing our money could buy. That is describing Venezuela. You, they have plenty of money, but nothing their money can buy because it's worthless. This is what happens with socialism, and this is what will happen here in America. You can't do these things. 
It doesn't mathematically work. History tells us the truth. So let's engage in some history. In 1881, there was a $5 Liberty United States gold coin. It was called the Half Eagle. It was heavily used uh, in the 1800s. Now you can own four 1881 Half Eagles in about uncirculated uh, condition. These are in really good condition. Uh, They have been circulated, but they're, they're really pretty good. Uh, these are the kind of gold coins that I buy because these gold coins are collector coins and these were not uh, uh, confiscated by the United States government in the 1930s. Now, I can't tell you if, you know, what the government is going to do. I hope that never happens again. I don't, well, I don't know. Uh, But I do know that our best shot of holding on to something of value is with an old gold coin. And right now you can get the 1881 P $5 gold Liberty. Uh, They are beautiful coins representing uh, the 13 colonies with Lady Liberty and the 13 stars around the American Eagle with the shield and the olive branch. It's all there. And it says in 1881 in God, we trust. So, you can take these. These are, uh, well, this is $20 billion from the Reserve Bank in Zimbabwe. Uh, or you could take these four gold coins that are worth their weight in gold. I'm going to go with that. Call Goldline now. one goldline one goldline or goldline.com. We break for 10-second station ID. So we have uh, Dennis Prager's uh, video from uh, Prager University, and I want to play a little bit of it. It is about something that's going on that should concern every American. And I, uh, I'm afraid too many conservatives are on this bandwagon, uh, and that is regulation of the, the big four, Apple, uh, Google, Facebook, and YouTube. Everybody's screaming for regulation. Listen to this from PragerU. Today, it's 1984 all over again. Big Brother's back with an important twist. Our former liberators now want to be our masters. Apple, Google, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, the giants of social media, are demanding conformity to their values. It's their way or the highway. Conform or die. This image is perfectly captured, not by an ad, but by this recent real-life scene. Row after row of men and women stare up at Tim Cook, Apple's CEO, as he makes a presentation, ironically, before a civil rights group. We only have one message for those who seek to push hate, division, and violence. You have no place on our platforms, Cook tells his audience. You have no home here. Hate? Division? According to whom? The answer is obvious. According to Apple, Google, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Okay, I'm going to stop there. You can the- find you can find the rest of this Big Brother uh, on Prager University. I, I just we cannot go down the road of regulation. Regulation never works out, and when these giant corporations come together, they are going to be the ones writing the laws for regulation, which will shut out any competitor, make it impossible 
for any competitor to be able to come up and and dethrone them. You don't want these companies regulated. They will write the rules. Now, here's the other problem. The United States government is going to want them regulated and going to want them in bed because then they control them or do they? They'll be able to get away because they're private companies. They can get away with limiting speech. And if they have no competition, the Constitution is worthless because they're a private company and they can do whatever they want. So if they ban speech, well, who do you run to? The government? Of course not. They're in bed with the government. They wrote the regulation. Very dangerous. Don't go down this road, please. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Sponsor this half hour is X-Chair. X-Chair is just a fantastic, fantastic chair. Um, You know, we've spent millions on ads of mattresses. You know, to get the perfect night's sleep, customize the support level of your particular body pi- uh, body weight. Yeah, well, you know, you spend about as much time in an office chair as you do in bed. And do you do that? Because that's exactly what X chair does. It has customized support for your office chair. The secret is the X chair's dynamic variable lumbar support or DVL. It's a patented feature, and that's what sets the X chair apart from every other office chair in the world. Feel the DVL difference for yourself. Try an X-Chair for 30 days, completely risk-free. Right now, the X-Chair is on sale for $100 off. Go to xchairbeck.com. That's xchairbeck.com. Or you can call 1-844-X-Chair. Finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. It's xchairbeck.com. Use the promo code XWheels. And you'll also receive free set of new X wheels for the bottom of your chair. It's xchairbeck.com. There's a disturbing story uh, about a, a couple in Idaho, a family that had to take their HOA to court over being discriminated against because of their their faith, and uh, the jury awarded them uh, compensation and everything else. And the judge came back. And overturned everything. And I I don't know the last time that a judge came in and overturned the jury on a verdict. Uh, we have uh, Jeremy Dice on with us. He is the deputy general counsel for First Liberty, and he is uh, fighting this case for this family. First of all, Jeremy, tell me about what happened to the family. Yeah, well, Jeremy and Christy Morris had this celebration every year. They're one of these people that really like to decorate and celebrate Christmas, right? Uh, Think Clark Griswold, and you're pretty close to Jeremy Morris, right? So he decorated his house. And when I say decorated his house, I mean like every inch of the exterior has a light on it somewhere, or at least every foot or so. And this became sort of a thing. And when people would stop by, they would invite them onto the driveway. They would share the gospel with them. They would give them a cup of hot chocolate and they would invite them to make a donation for uh, for, for children that were that were either homeless or or were were ill, and, and they actually ended up raising a lot of money for this. Well, they moved houses, and then when they did, they alerted their HOA that uh, they had read their covenants and said, "It looks like we can just keep on doing this. Want you to know we're going to go ahead and do that." But the HOA didn't like that. 
Uh, and instead of just saying, no, you're not allowed to have any lights on the walls, they, they wrote back, and I'm going to quote from it, it says, this is from the, 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 the president of the HOA, she says, I'm somewhat hesitant in bringing this up, the fact that some of our residents are non-Christians or of another faith, and I don't want to even think of the problems that that could bring up. And so they went on for years of litigation over this issue, and you're exactly right. The jury found in his favor, in Jeremy and Christie's favor, uh, and said this was, uh, this was clear religious discrimination under the Fair Housing Act. But then a few months later, the judge was convinced to overturn and throw out that entire, that entire jury decision. And so we're appealing the case to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals because no one should be punished for trying to spread a little Christmas cheer and raise money for abused or neglected children at Christmas time. So, Jeremy, how often does a does a judge do this? Well, it, it, it's fairly rare. It, it's fairly rare, and the reason for that is that when the judge gives the facts over to the jury, number one, don't forget our our judicial system, our system of justice, is based upon trial by jury, and so we respect the decisions of juries because that's what our system depends upon. But when the judge gives that over to the trier of fact, this case being the jury, unless there's like clearly erroneous or or some significant problem that has arisen here that they just simply could not arise to arrive to a reasonable decision on things, the judge should leave that trier of facts decision completely alone and not remove it. Now, what we know is that in a motion before this hearing or before the trial went to, to take place, the judge looked at the, the, the arguments of both sides and says, look, this can clearly go to a jury. He says that just that letter itself from the HOA is enough for a reasonable jury to make a decision in favor of Mr. and Mrs. Morris. But then several months later, when he removed it from the, the jury, he said something completely different from that, that position. Uh, and that just is simply inconsistent for one thing, but I, I think it's very dangerous to our system of law. What do you think happened? I, I wish I knew. I, I really do. I, I, I don't know exactly, but we're going to bring this case entirely to the, Supreme, to the uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and ask them to look at this because, we, look, the jury recognized that there was a clear religious hostility by this HOA against their family. There was no good reason for a judge to overrule them, and that's a fact that he recognized in the motion leading up to the trial. So um, uh, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals He's the most overturned in in the country. We're not expecting the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals to actually do anything right here, are we? Well, there's always hope. Let's put it that way. Okay. Number one, don't forget that uh, thankfully President Trump has been doing a lot of good work, and a lot of that work on judges has taken place in the Ninth Circuit. So you never know what panel of judges you're going to receive up there at the Ninth Circuit. But at the very least, I, I think regardless of what you may think about the Ninth Circuit, and much of that could be true, but at, at the very least, I think there's still a respect for the jury system in our country mm-hmm. here, even in the Ninth Circuit, because it's so important. And, and when the judge himself recognizes that a reasonable jury could find a reasonable decision to support Mr. and Mrs. Morris. How do you overturn uh, it? And then he overturns it. Yeah. I mean, there's at least that obvious consistency there that I think even the Ninth Circuit can pay attention to and recognize that there was religious hostility at play here, uh, and the jury should have been left alone to make that decision. Jeremy, tell me about the um, Equality Act. Do you know much about this? Well, I know a little bit about it. Can you Can you tell me... It seems very concerning on the surface. (laughs) 
Well, I think the biggest problem that I, I see with the Equality Act right now is, is that there has been an active effort to ensure that there would be no accommodation for religious belief, behavior, or organizations within it. In other words, everyone would have to comply with it all, regardless of your religious convictions or your scruples that you may have, uh, whatever that may be, there's no way to exempt yourself from its requirements. And so this is a way to kind of get back at uh, the decision that the Supreme Court made a year or two ago in the Masterpiece Cake Shop decision, where there was really clear hostility by the government. I mean, they compared Jack Phillips to Nazis, for goodness sakes. Uh, in that decision. But th- they're trying now, it seems, to, to, to force individuals to abide by an ideolo- ideology that their religious beliefs simply don't support. And, and what the left and progressives find so difficult to, to imagine and conceive of is that people would actually have a moral disagreement. And, and here's the frightening thing, and that, that would be okay. Right. Right. I mean, our system of government is set up, our, our system of free speech and religious liberty is set upon a premise to say, we're going to disagree with one another, and that's okay. We're going to provide this space for you and I to have differences of opinion and to express those loudly and, if necessary, strongly with one another, but still call each other neighbors. Uh, this, this, this Equality Act seems to go completely counter to that idea, and I hope it dies in the Senate like it's projected to do. Uh, Jeremy, are you concerned that you are on the other side of Taylor Swift on this particular argument? <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, I, all I want to be is a wrecking ball to this uh, this particular uh, act itself. And, and if I'm against Taylor Swift, I guess, aside from the, uh, what, 15 to 18 demographic, I'm doing okay. <laughs> um, Jeremy, one last thing. I, I talked to a, a federal judge recently, and uh, he's one of the good guys. And, and I said, so Donald Trump's making some real impact in the lower courts. And he said, yes, he said, uh, but we are really... We're in trouble. He said, I get stuff across my bench all the time where the judge had no rhyme reason, uh, certainly nothing constitutional, not even law. He said, it's just this is what feels good. This is what feels right. And he said, that's starting to take a foothold in our judicial system. Do you agree with him? Well, look, do you remember a couple years back, there was a big debate about outcomes-based education in this country, kind of teaching to the test and trying to develop certain outcomes, not only just educationally, but socially through that that, uh, program? Well, I think we're seeing the same basic thing arising now within the judicial system. In fact, I heard just recently someone give an interview that is in favor of packing the Supreme Court of the United States uh, that uh, we're not getting the right outcomes from the Supreme Court. Well, maybe you're getting the right outcomes that you just simply disagree with, I, but they're the right ones under the Constitution. And so, it, you know, we used to be a nation of laws, not of men, as it was famously said years ago. Uh, when has that changed? I don't know. But what I'm, I'm thankful for is despite the many vacancies that we have had and currently have in the, in the judicial system throughout the country, Senator McConnell and others and the president has to be commended that they are working through to get the right people there. Uh, there's a lot to be countering to here, given the last administration's appointment and, and confirmations there. But I think there's a there's a process that is developing itself that is going in the correct direction. So I, I'm 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 looking at uh, all of these things and seeing how the courts are are there's some good movement and some bad movement. I was talking to Mike Lee and asked him about uh, what we what we know happened uh, on Obamacare and John Roberts. 
And I think there's a case for impeachment on John Roberts because John Roberts is making that into a political body. It's not it's not a body that horse trades, is it? Well, there is uh, at least there's all the talk about uh, we we don't know what happens behind those closed doors. And I suppose at some level, speaking colloquially, we may think that there is there is discussions and trying to convince each other. And look, we know that from the history of the Supreme Court, that people are writing dissents to try to move things in a direction that later on become part of the majority opinion. Yeah, but that's different Uh, than horse trading, isn't it? Well, perhaps. And I'll let others speculate about what should happen to the chief and, and to the rest of the, the Supreme Court up there. What, what I know is that we've got enough cases either before the Supreme Court or below it to make good impacts on the law. I mean, right now we're waiting for a case to come down from the Supreme Court to protect a 100-year-old veterans memorial. Number one, that shouldn't even be at the court. That, that should be a no-brainer that just because a memorial happens to share the same shape as the gravestones of Europe, for the men who died in World War One, a cross-shaped veterans memorial, that's perfectly acceptable to be on public property. Uh, and yet we've got to go through the entire judicial system to get a final declaration to say it's okay for Gold Star mothers to erect a veterans memorial in honor of their sons in the shape of a cross. Uh, those cases I'm more concerned about, that we have activist lawyers that are trying to reshape how we look at, at the Constitution and especially the Establishment Clause uh, to the point where we're getting absolutely silly over these things, where where you you can't pass out a candy cane in fifth grade at Christmas time because someone might think that that uh, piece of peppermint and sugar in the shape of a shepherd's crook would violate the Establishment Clause. If we're that scared of our own shadow, do we really have the religious liberty and the freedom of religion that the Founding Fathers wanted us to have in this country? No. That, that, that's a frightening spot to be at right now. Jeremy Dice, he is uh, from First Liberty. You can follow First Liberty at firstliberty.org. You can get involved and help them uh, fight. They, um, uh, they don't, I don't think, you, you guys don't charge your, um, your clients, do you? That's right. No, if, if we get the privilege of representing an individual in this country that have suffered a wrong, we don't think they should have to pay an attorney. So we're, we're glad to be able to defend them for free. They did great work there. And also you should know that Jeremy Dice is uh, the nation's preeminent expert on Ernest Goes to Camp. <laughs> which we learned the other day on news and why it matters uh so if you ever have a you know if there's a lawsuit you want a reference from ernest goes to camp in it you should definitely go jeremy's way absolutely and don't forget ernest day is coming up at montgomery bell state park in tennessee here just a few short weeks so there's still time for you to get out there and See? check it out it's really sad it's really sad <laughs> jeremy totally jeremy dice thank you so much from thank first you. firstliberty.org he really brought that up in an argument and in a real case Ernest goes to camp. And he made his, his extended analogy about how it proved his point. It was amazing. He, and then he's like, now, there's about Did five Ernest movies that are really good. And then he goes through, he lists five, and he's like, now there's about 14 others. I mean, this one, this one, this one, this one. They, those were terrible. But the, the, the core three or four are really excellent movies. I mean, he's like a legit Did Ernest he win fan. the case? I think he did win the game. Yeah. Okay. Well, they, they rarely great. lose at that first he's liberty. brilliant. They I know. rarely lose. I know. Um, all right. If you're in constant pain, you are not alone. There's an estimated 50 million people who work, um, who miss work due to pain. These Americans spend about $2,000 a year to combat that pain. 66% expect just to spend the rest of their life in pain. Stop. You don't have to live that way. I started taking Relief Factor, and it has helped me a great deal with my pain. And I feel the best I've felt in about five years. 100% drug-free, created by doctors. Three-week quick start is only nineteen ninety-five. Now, they do three weeks, because if you take it, like you're supposed to, three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you take it, 
and it's not working for you in three weeks, it's probably not going to work for you. But 70% of the people who try it for three weeks go on to order month after month after month. And it's because there's four ingredients, key ingredients, that help your bodies fight against inflammation. So get your life back. Go to relieffactor.com, drug-free, natural way to ease pain, and get your life back at relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. All right. Uh, we want to talk to you a little bit about something that uh, is coming out tomorrow, and that is Stu's analysis of all of the polls and yes. everything that mm. is happening with the Democratic contenders. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing. It looks like Joe Biden doesn't even have to show up at anything. And this is the best plan for Joe Biden because it is. you have a, a situation with Joe Biden. The best plan for him is step one, run away and hide from the polls. Because he's so far ahead, he's just running away and hiding. And that allows him for, to do step two, which is just run away and hide in real life. Because if he can just hide and not let anyone remember who he is or what he says or who he gropes, man, he's a, he's a solid candidate. And remember, that's really kind of what Hillary Clinton's campaign strategy was at first. It was. And he, he, she got legitimate pushback and wanted having to be a lot more active in the campaign than she wanted to be. Uh, she tried to do that a little bit in the in the general as well. I mean, people are always saying like she didn't go to all these states. Part of her, I mean, she was at the point where they were actually scheduling rallies in and you know get out the vote efforts in places like California in you know inner cities just so they could win the popular vote by more because they wanted a blowout and and they also wanted to make sure that they didn't win the electoral vote and lose the popular vote so they didn't have whatever controversies associated with that every time. Uh, not, not a lot of I mean a lot of stupid people involved in that I mean and in, in a way people that were thought of themselves as so smart they made just terrible decisions you know we decision. we we noticed that Bernie Sanders doesn't have a single professional for campaigning yeah on his campaign staff and I looked at that and one of the researchers said you know look at that that's crazy and I said eh, Donald Trump I mean, it was Trump's strategy, and he wasn't an expert. I, I, you might be past the time for, for real experts to say, you've got to play it this yeah, way. It's possible, though, but I think what you look at now and, and learn from Trump is that when he has the ability to do it in 2020, he's doing it. He's got a very professional campaign outfit yeah. going for 2020. He hasn't decided to go back. Now, look, he's going well, to make his own decisions. He's yeah, he's going to make his own decisions, and he's going to direct them however he wants to, and right. that's the way it should be if he's the president of the United States running a campaign. But he's got a lot of money invested in data, a lot of money invested in you know, Facebook ads, and he's doing. He's got a big campaign effort this time, which should make should theoretically make it a little bit easier for him to get over some of those humps. So there's some um, exciting things to talk to you about on politics and on the Democratic candidates. Some surprising, uh, not surprising to you, not surprising to me, but to the to the left, quite surprising uh, things that are happening uh, in their poll numbers. That airs tomorrow here on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck.